Amen, amen. So we're in Hebrews chapter number three this morning, and one of the things that we're going to be looking at is the way that we conduct or the way that we live our lives by faith. And one of the problems that we have is sometimes uh, we, we can live a lifestyle on autopilot as Christians, and God never calls us to live a life of autopilot, but a, a continual life of crucifixion. Crucified life is where the power of God is. The, the power of God unto salvation is in the preaching of the cross. And at the cross is where Jesus died. It's where he shed his blood at Calvary. Amen? And we are called as New Testament believers. We are called to live a crucified life. And the problem with that is your flesh don't want to do it. Your flesh don't want anything to do with that. Your flesh wants to smile, wants to put on the good look, but it does not want to submit and surrender to God. But it's only in submission to God that you'll find victory. It's only when you finally get to that point where you deny yourself and take up your cross and go after him that you'll find true life. True life is found there. It's not found when your team wins the Super Bowl. Amen? It, that's one of my favorite uh, examples. Deion Sanders, he prayed, uh, prayed. He, he played for America's team before he started praying. But he played for America's team, and they won the Super Bowl. And he said he worked all his life. He was the best at his business. You probably don't know who he is. but He said, I was the best at my business. And he was. He was the best cornerback. And he said they won the Super Bowl. And he, he said, I went to, he said, I went in that hotel bed that night. And he had, he was a Super Bowl champion, the best at his sport. He had all the money he could ever need. He had everything that the world can give you at his feet, at his beck and call. He was at the highest of high. And he said, I was broken and empty inside. And that's when he prayed and he got saved. That's when he found Jesus because he finally figured out true life is not in the world. He found life in Christ. And I thought, that's an amazing testimony. And yet today, Christians live in the pursuit of what he left. Christians live to have a better here and now. Everything's about how to have a better self, how to have a better this, and how to have a better that. But God said, don't have a better, have a dead one. Have, be dead in Christ so that you can be raised to new life in Christ. That way old things are passed away and all things can be made new, amen, in Jesus' name. Well, we don't want old things to be passed away. We want old things to be perfumed and cologned and smelled better. But God said, lay those things down so that I can raise you up to newness of life. Amen? See, we're told to present ourselves a living sacrifice to God. And the problem with the living sacrifice is you can choose to stop being a sacrifice anytime you want. But you will not experience the power of God in your life so long as you are not a living sacrifice to him. It's in that sacrificial life where you give yourself to him. You say, I don't want to do this and I don't want to do that and I don't want to do this. You take that, that first word out. And then you say, what does God want? God wants me to do this. God wants me to do that. And then when you do that, that's when you'll find God moving in your life. Up until then, this is the whole time you're living for I, 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 I don't, I don't want to do that. I didn't like that kind of music. I don't like that kind of carpet. I don't like this. I don't like that. And I don't like this, this, this. And you know what? That will get you nowhere with God. That'll get you staring at a wall. 
That'll get you nowhere with God. It's only when you say, you know what, Lord, it's not about me. It's about you. I can't, I can't do nothing. Come to the end of myself, and I submit and I surrender to your lordship, to you. That's where you'll begin to find God moving in your life. You say, I was born with the temper. You was born with the sin nature. I was born with a bad mouth. I was born with this. I was born with a propensity to alcohol or drugs or whatever. Weren't we all? Every single one of us got a sin nature. Every single one of us born and bent to hell. It's when you receive what he did at the cross, those chains are broken. Ain't broken no other way but at the cross of Calvary. You don't need 14 steps. You don't need three steps. You just need one. You just need to call on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He did all that was necessary to unshackle the chains off of your life. And it's only in that place where you get outside of self. You say, yeah, because of who I am, he had to go to the cross. Because we don't understand that, we're not free. Because of who we are in our own selves, the Lord of glory who is uncreated, the Lord of glory who outshines the beauty of the sun, condescended himself, became a man, went to the cross, and bore our sins as his blood was shed on Calvary's hill. He set his people free. And the problem is we want to hang on to our chains. We, we done got accustomed to the chains of Egypt when God has made provision to set his people free. Amen. All you got to do is receive what he did at Calvary. He say, that's too easy. That's too easy. You're, that's what self is telling you. Because self wants to make it hard. Self wants to complicate it. Self is going to tell you there's 14 steps to freedom. Self is going to tell you you need to pay $75 for this four CD set so that you can finally get a taste of freedom. But God cannot be bought. God is not bought and he is not sold. He is ready, willing, and able to save the whosoever that will dare to come to Calvary. It's only at the cross that we're free. Only at the cross is where we'll find freedom. And this morning, I want to show you here in, in Hebrews chapter number three, you better get into the word before we get carried away. We got to get into the word, amen? amen? Okay, so verse number 12, look what he says. Well, look at verse number 11. I'll keep backing up. But, but let, me, let me tell you that at, at, at the cross is where you'll find rest for your soul. Okay, the, the, the Old Testament God uh, teaches that we are to, the fourth commandment is to observe the Sabbath, amen? Is to, to honor the Sabbath. To, well, the thing about the Sabbath is it was a shadow. Colossians teaches us that all the laws of the Old Testament were shadows and the fulfillment of it is in Jesus. Jesus, when he came and he finally uh, was born of the Virgin Mary and he lived for those 33 years, he was the embodiment of what the shadow was. And how do you honor the Sabbath? How do you observe the Sabbath? Is by receiving what he did on the cross for all the work that was necessary to make you right with God. 
See, that's the problem is none of us were right with God and he performed the work for us and it's up to us to receive it. And in that, we find rest for our weariness because it's not about how good you work. It's not about how, how tight you walk the rope and it's not how good you are. It's about how good he is. And, and, and what we're going to get into this morning is, is sometimes we trust in our own works. We trust in our own works to provide comfortability. Comfortability. Amen? Do you know that God wants to be the comforter? God is the comforter. God, the Holy Ghost, is the comforter. You should find comfort in his presence, at his feet, in who he is, not in what you've done. We err when we find comfortability in our workability. When God tells us to draw near and let the comforter in to bring the peace that passes all understanding, amen? But we find comfortability in our workability. And that's a dangerous place to get into. What you're doing is you're departing from the living God. You're departing from what Christ did at the cross for you. When you begin to take confidence and you begin to say, look what I've done, I'm okay, I'm this, I'm that, you are departing from the comforter. You're finding comfort in your working. So watch this in verse number 11. Hebrews chapter number three said, uh, so I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Anybody who is, who is leaning on their work ability or the things that they've done or, 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 or they've lowered the bar, you, you know what I mean by lowering the bar? Well, God don't mind if I miss church. Well, God don't mind if I do this. God don't mind if I do that. God don't mind if I do that because at least I'm not you know, murdering nobody today. I, I, I mean, I'm not out there being a slobbering drunk, just a little bit of a drunk. I'm not out there being a big liar, just a little liar, you know, a, a white lie. You see, we, 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 we lower those standards and what we're doing is we're not entering into his rest. His rest is where we come to the end of ourselves and we receive all that he is in exchange for ourselves. The crucified life, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ, Amen. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. You see, the problem is none of us know that. None of us understand the crucified life. It is an exchange. It is an exchange. That was one uh, A.W. Tozer, he said one thing that you knew about somebody that was going out to be crucified on a hill. He said, there's one thing. He said, you didn't know what they did. You didn't, even, you didn't know their name. You didn't know their family. You didn't know nothing about them, but there was one thing you knew about them is that they weren't coming back. You see, we like to go, we like to, go to the altar and then we like to come back, but you're supposed to go to the altar, let go of self, and, and, and be raised to newness of life. I am not who I once was in Jesus' name. That's how you get up. That's how you. That's why I tell people: don't get up till God moves. God is the one who brings that 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 inner witness through the Holy Spirit. God is the one who brings that inner witness, not a man. You 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 seek God until the Lord moves, until those mountains are moved, until those rivers of living water begin to burst out, till life begins to flow. 
And, and, and here's the thing. He, God said, when you don't rest in him, you'll never find rest anywhere else. Have you noticed that about folks? People that are unwilling to surrender self to God are the most miserable of folks. I mean, most miserable. It don't matter if they got money in the bank, they miserable. It don't matter if they got good health, they miserable. It don't matter if they got all kinds of friends, all kinds of stuff, they're miserable. You ever get in those moods where nothing satisfies? You know why? Because when we are not submitted and surrendered to Christ, we are not entered into his rest. There's only one place where a human can find rest, and it's not at your house. It's not in your lawn chair. It's not on a beach in Mexico. It is in one place, one place, on your knees, on your knees, receiving what Christ did at Calvary. Right there is God's big, wide open door for peace. And how few of us receive it. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Verse number 12, take heed, brethren. Somebody say brethren. Okay, so this is written to the church. This is written to church folks. This is written to folks that, 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 that had good attendance at church. Amen? This is written to some good folks. This is written to some goody two-shoes. This is written to some people who were Christians. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Now, how do you depart from the living God? How do you depart from the living God is by not living that crucified life. It is choosing good, not God. When, when you choose good over God, you have departed from the living God. You see, God is a consuming fire. God is a consuming fire, and every day that you live as a Christian, you should live in submission and surrender to him. And the day you choose good over God, you're beginning to wane. You're beginning to grow cold. You're beginning to grow powerless and impotent in your spiritual life because God will not give spiritual power to someone who is unsurrendered to him. And, and, and notice what it said. He said that, that it, you're departing from the living God. You're choosing, you're choosing good over God. And how do we choose good over God? Do you know that you can go to church and not give God your soul? You can, you can raise your hand and not give God your heart. What good does it do to raise your hand if you don't raise God your heart? What good does it do to repeat a prayer if it didn't come from the heart? What good does it do to be counted in attendance at church but not in God's eyes? Our minds and our hearts could be on the football game, could be on the, the ballet game, could be on any other thing. Amen. You could be in the middle of revival and, and folks be looking at the cobwebs on the ceiling. Amen. And what good did it do? Because you've chosen good over God, you've begun to depart from the living God who is a consuming fire. Good over God. Think about it. It's good to cut your grass. It's good. 
You should keep your grass cut. But if it keeps you from God, if it keeps you from God, it's moving you away from your life source. You see, there's good things we can do. We, we, we could paint our fingernails. We could cut the grass. We could do our laundry. All of that's good. But if it's keeping you from your prayer closet, if it's keeping you from church, if it's keeping you from God, you're choosing good over God. And the minute you begin to do that, you begin to lose spiritual power. God's not going to honor that. God is not going to honor those who are not rested in that work at Calvary. And, and remember, I said he's a consuming fire. You know why, God? God is a consuming fire. That's who he is by his nature. But you, you see, there's one thing about God that you, you got to see throughout Scripture. Anytime anybody gets around God, they have one of two reactions. One of two reactions. They either melt like butter or they get hard as steel. You get around God, you're going you gonna to cry like a baby or, or, or you're going you gonna to just, you're going to get hard like Pharaoh. You see, Pharaoh got hardened. All, all, all the people that, that were wicked in the Bible, every time God began to move, they would get hard, hard. You bitter heart. heart. Yeah, well, I wouldn't have done it that way. I wouldn't have done it that way. If it was up to me, we would have went the other way. We would have done this. We would have done that. Why can't we do it this way? Why? But you see, whenever, whenever God's around, you have one of two reactions. You have those people like, like the woman with the issue of blood. She got around God. She got healed. You got the, the prostitute who broke the alabaster box at his feet. She got around God, and the tears began to flow. Amen? I think, I think some people were so sensitive to God being in their midst that when Jesus passed by through the street, the tears just probably began to flow. They didn't even know why. You get around the spirit of God when God's moving, God does amazing things and he draws those things. You see that all throughout his life. The Pharisees would get harder and harder and the sinners around Jesus would get more tearful and more tearful. The more his ministry waxed on, the more he grew... In, in that walk, in that ministry, you see more people getting set free. You see blind eyes open. You see those lepers cry out, Lord, 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 Lord. And then you see those other people walking by and just despising him. And people have that same kind of reaction today. And we all have those kinds of reactions. Every day we wake up, we still wake up with ourself, yourself. And you still wake up with self and you still have to deny self. Jesus said, Take up your cross, amen? amen? He said, take up your cross, deny yourself and take up your cross daily and come after me. You see, there's a daily thing that we have to do in choosing God rather than good. There's, there's, there's 99 different good things you can do, but there's one God thing you can do. And, and that is what is... Uh, one of the problems that we see in the church world is people will do all kinds of good stuff. You, you know, you, you, can have, you can get in a rhythm. You can get in a rhythm of like serving. Some, sometimes, you know, you get in a rhythm, I, I'm gonna serve in the nursery. I'm gonna serve in, the, in this department. I'm gonna serve in that. And then you, then you start absenting yourself from the altar of God. You start absenting yourself from pouring out your soul to the Lord and you begin to get colder and colder and colder and colder. 
waxing cold when the whole time we're choosing good over God. And God wants you to choose that path where you're taking up your cross daily. When you're saying, yeah, I've got to do this, but it's more important that I do that. Yeah, we've all got to cut our grass. We've all got to wash our clothes. We've all got to do, but you know what? We best be tending to the Lord first. We best be tending to the Lord first. See, I, I, I get kind of sideways when people start uh, twisting scripture and you know preach about tithing in the New Testament, stuff like that. But what is the tithe? Tithe was the first 10% of what somebody had. The best, the first of what you had. And that we've lost in, in the new covenant, we've lost that, that vision of giving God the best of what we have. I, I, I love listening to old preachers, and I remember old Leonard Ravenhill, he said, you know, you, you got 24 hours a day. You got 24 hours a day. You should give God the best hour of it. Amen? You wait to pray till 10 o'clock at night, your head's going to be hitting the coffee table. Boom, boom. Because you're giving God leftovers. You're giving God leftovers. Your head going to be hitting. You're not going to be not getting nothing out of it. Try giving God the best hour of your day. The, the, the time when you got the most energy, when you're the most awake, amen, cut out some time at that point in time. Give God the best of what you have and watch what don't happen. Amen? Watch what go happen. God will move. You start giving God the best of what you have, you start, you start honoring God. You start giving God honor. God will begin moving in powerful ways. Amen. And you know what? What's amazing about it? I know that we live in, uh, it's 2019 right now. I know we live in 2019, but you know what? You don't have to Facebook live when you give God your best. You can do like what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. You can give without one hand knowing what the other hand's doing. You don't have to broadcast high and low, far and wide for everybody to know what you've been doing. You don't have to let Facebook Live be the entity of your ministry. It could be just a secret thing you do before God. There's, there is power. There's power in the secret place. There's power in the secret place. But one of the things that, that, that this verse shows you is that some people will find confidence in their service to God rather than their relationship with God. Did you hear that? You, 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 you can find confidence or comfort. You can find comfort in your service to God. Well, God, I, I, I did this, I went up there and I did that and I, I vacuumed the floors of the church and I did this and I did that. But you know what? If you're not doing it in communion with God, it's vanity. It is a vain thing when it's done out of communion with God. God don't need your service. He wants your heart. You don't need your your you're the best vacuumer in town doesn't move God what moves God is when you lay down yourself and you give your heart and your soul to God when you give yourself to God that's what God wants the service is just a byproduct that's just working out or fleshing out your obedience to God that's being a disciple but first you gotta be a believer first you gotta get in communion with God you got to stay where God is, is, is in a living relationship with God. 
You've got to get into that place. And one of the quickest ways we get out of it is when you find comfortability in your service and not in your relationship. Don't depart from the living God and take confidence in your service. God has many workers in the church. God has many workers in the church. You look at, look at in Jesus' day. The Pharisees were the most religious. But if you look at what Jesus said, they were the furthest away from him. Come on now. They was the most religious. If you wanted to know a verse in the Bible, you went to the Pharisees. Go to the scribes. The Pharisees had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. How many of you got memorized? We, we lucky in America to have five verses memorized. See, your problem is that's another problem with multiple translations. That's a different sermon. But, but what I want you to see is we, we take confidence, we take comfortability. Oh, I did this for God and I did that for God. When we should be finding our confidence in our relationship, the yielding of ourselves to the living God. God, here I am this morning. I'm yours. Everything about me, I surrender to you. I, I, I don't care about what people do to me. I don't care about where I want to go. I don't care about my opinion. I don't care if, if, if my football team wins or loses. I don't care about that. I care about your kingdom. I care about you. I care about your cause, your glory, your kingdom. Amen? Isn't that the Lord's prayer? Isn't that the Lord's prayer? Thine is the kingdom. Thine is the glory. Amen? But what are we? We, we all about our own. We all about our own. What we want. When we want it. I didn't like this and I didn't like that. And I this and I that. And the whole time we're saying I, I, I. Jesus is saying I died for I. He died for the I in you so that you can be raised to new life. Paul said in Galatians 2, nevertheless, I live, yet not I. Yet not I. Don't kid yourself, he was still alive, but he had buffeted himself. He had denied himself. He had found new life in Christ. Where my desires, my opinions, the things that I do, where I go, how I go, the people I hang with, how I hang with them, the things I do and how I do those things, all, all in submission to you, God. The only way you can get into that place is in relationship to God. See, we, we do a great disservice in America by thinking you can come to an altar, squeeze the hand of a minister and go about your merry way. That's how you, that's what is called a false convert. False convert. It's when, and, 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 you know, people do that today. You squeeze the right minister's hands, he wants, a, he wants a notch on his belt, and he'll call you saved. But the Bible says, see, it don't matter what he said, what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 13, examine yourself to see if you be in the faith. What faith? Not your church's faith. Not your denomination's faith, 
See, if you be in the faith that was delivered to the saints of God, as Jude said, that's the faith that you're supposed to be making sure you in. That faith that John talked about, that the word of God was made flesh, that they, that they touched, that they handled. That God, God himself, the one who existed before anything existed. Can you imagine before time? Before universe, before stars, before air, before anything, he just was. And then he decided to create. He's the creator. And the creator chose to come here to redeem you. You see, the, the, the issue is you. And you can't redeem yourself. Our sins have separated us from God since the Garden of Eden. And what about the Garden of Eden? Think about this. They departed from the living God. God said you can eat of every tree in the garden except for that one. The knowledge of good and evil. And, 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 and the devil came and he said, hath God said, hath God said, did he say you'll die? Did he say that? You won't surely die. Question God's word. He questioned what God said. They chose the knowledge of good and evil. They chose good over God. They chose what they thought was best over what God said was best. They chose what they thought was best over what God said was best. They chose good over God. And when they did, they departed from the living God and every man, woman, and child since then that's ever been born has suffered the consequences except one. And that one is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was not born of a man and a woman, but he was born of the Holy Ghost and a woman. He was born, he bypassed the sin nature of man and was placed inside Mary's womb. That's why she's called more blessed than any other woman in the Bible. And he was placed in her womb and he grew and he went to the cross as our sinless substitute, as a Passover lamb for us. The Lord of glory, bearing sin on the cross. The Lord of glory, despised, spit on, placed a crown of thorns on, scorned, mocked, abused, hit, crucified, air running out of his lungs, can't move up, heart, bleeding out from the inside, lungs filling up with blood. And it wasn't the physical pain that caused him to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. It wasn't the fear of the cross that caused him to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was bearing our sin. It was drinking that cup of God's wrath. That's why he told those disciples, he said, can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? You got a different cup. He's drinking the wrath of God. Oh, D.L. Moody, I love him. He said, Calvary was a burn off of God's wrath. 
At Calvary, there was a burn off. God's wrath was poured out on his own son. The wrath that all of us deserve, the wrath of God poured out on Calvary's hill on Golgotha where Goliath's skull was placed. On that hill, God's wrath was poured out. And he said, oh, D.L. Moody, he said, Calvary was a burn off. You don't want to get burned up by God's fire when it comes because you know he said he destroyed the, the earth by water the first time. It's going to be by fire the next time. You don't want to be destroyed by fire. You better get in Calvary. You, you, he didn't, you, your church in the burn off. The cross is the burn off. That's where the wrath of God was licked up by Jesus. Only one person, only one person, only one person could do that. And that was the Lord of glory, the God man, Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so he bore our sin and he bore our shame. And, and, and the Bible says that, that for, the, uh, for, for the joy that was set before him, your soul, your freedom from yourself. The joy that was set before him, your sin being forgiven, that brings joy to God. Don't, don't you put two and two together? Jesus said that, that there's more rejoicing in heaven over one, over one sinner that comes home than over 99 of the chosen frozen There's more rejoicing. God rejoices when you find forgiveness at his feet. That was the joy. He said, he said for the joy that was set before him, this is Hebrews 12 if y'all need, he said for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Open shame. Oh, if, if you're the son of if you're the son of God, just call down some angels. Get off that cross. He was purchasing your soul. He was doing all that was necessary to remove the leper spot from your soul. Though our sins were as scarlet, they're white as snow. Only by the blood of the Lamb of God. John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. Only one could do that. That's the God man. Oh, Jesus is wonderful, isn't he? And yet, and yet we choose good over God. We choose good over God. It's a dangerous thing to choose good over God. You see, there's a couple of things that I want to point out in this. He said, number one, it's an evil heart of unbelief where you depart from God. An evil heart of unbelief. Look, it takes courage to believe. You want to go forward in God? It takes courage. It's going to take something out of you. You've got to surrender self. You've got to deny self, and that takes courage. Sometimes, sometimes the walk of faith will go in opposition to the world. Sometimes people may think you're crazy. 
Sometimes people may think you're crazy when you are a fanatic about being in the word of God, about praying, about attending church, about being around the people of God and all kinds of things. But you know what? An, an evil heart of unbelief will depart from God. Unbelief, unbelief, unbelief departs from the living God. The only one who can set you free, the only one who can bring new life to you. Look, you know what? You can go to you can go to 200,000 psychiatrists and you can get every you can get you can take 15 pills a day, but it's not going to help yourself. Self-help. Self-help is not in the vocabulary. Self-help is not in the vocabulary. Deny self is in the vocabulary. See, self-help is how to be better, how to be a better self. Being a better self might sell Christian books today, but it's not biblical. Denial of self is biblical. Denial of self is when you say, you know what, it's not about what I want, it's about God. You know what, it's not about me, it's about the Lord's glory. Denial of self is biblical. Self-help. Self-help is modern Christianity. Denial of self, you know what? You may say, you know what? I don't feel like going to the prayer meeting. I don't feel like it, but it's not about I. It's not about I. It's about the work at hand. We're going to see God save souls. We're going to see God just move in our neighborhood. We're going to see marriages. We're going to see marriages healed. We're going to see children growing up in homes with fathers again. We're going to see drunks sobered up over. We're going to see drug addicts delivered from that bondage. We're going to see people that have been abused find healing in the arms of Jesus. Why go to a prayer meeting when the football game's on? Because I want to see God's kingdom. I want to see God move in a generation. I want to see God see. I want to see God save. I want to see God seeking those, amen, that are hurting. And you say, I got to do this. I got to do that. And I got to do this. We've got to stop choosing good and start choosing God. And this, this is on a daily, daily, person by person level. We all can take the easy way out and choose the good. Well, I, you know what? I, I, I'm not going to pray today. I'm not going to read my Bible today. I got, I got to do this and I got to do that. Make sure. Make sure what you're doing, you're not departing from the living God. Make sure. Make sure that you're not taking confidence in service but you're staying connected in relationship. Make sure, because when you do, when you do, you're beginning to depart from the one who bought you, the one who sought you, and the one who gives new life. You see, you, 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 you can have the best looking lawn in town. You can have the most money in the bank, but if it costs your soul, is it worth it? Pastor, I, I, I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to do this. Is it worth your soul? Because if, if not, listen, there will be a point in time when you have to start going through the motions. 
When you neglect your walk with God, when you neglect your relationship with God, you've got to go through the motions to keep the for formal religious persona up. And that's where much, that's where much of Israel was. And that's where, that's what, what I believe it was either Paul or Apollos it was writing here in Hebrews but notice what he said in the next verse. Notice what he said. Exhorting one another. Exhorting one another. Do you know that that is one of the main charges that the church has been given? It's to exhort one another. It says over in Hebrews chapter 10, it, it, it says to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. What? As the manner of some is. But exhort one another. Exhort one another. You see, in, 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 in church, one of the things, one of the main things about church is there to encourage one another, to lift one another up, to bear one another's burdens, to pray for one another, to love one another. And when we cut ourselves off from those things, we're not exhorting ourselves. We're not denying ourselves. We're pouring the world's water on self. And you're going to see a monster grow. Self, self has to be put down at the altar. When, when you're not living in communion with God, what you're doing is you're pouring the water of the world on a little monster. He's going to bite your hand. Let me tell you, Romans, Romans chapter 6, verse 23. It says, for the wages of sin is death. Nine out of ten times. Nope. Ten out of ten times. The wages of sin is death ten out of ten times. Every time sin is tried, it has been tested and proven to produce a result in your life which is discouragement, despair, death, darkness. Every time. You choose good over God, you're entering into a place of darkness. Every time that you depart from the living relationship with God, you are entering into a place of despair. I talked to some people and it's like, man, you, you, I feel like every time I go one step forward, I go two step backwards. There you go with the eyes again. I feel, I feel, I feel. You know what? Sometimes we've got to lay our feelings down. Isn't that what Jesus did? He laid his will down. He said, Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. That cup of wrath. Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, Lord, not my will, thy will be done. You see, he could have stood there and said, I don't feel like doing it. I don't feel like doing it. But you know what, God? I'm going to do it. Not what I feel. Not what I want. Not my will, but thy will be done. You know what? That, that is the mindset that all believers are supposed to be living in. Short of that, short of that, your little, the, the self... Is going to grow. It's going to grow and it's going to begin to control your life. 
Every time you get close to God, self is going to bite you on the back of the neck. You got to lay that thing down. You got to find new life in Christ, and you've got to live in communion with him. When you do that, the Bible says there's victory for you. Because look, Galatians chapter 5, you walk in the Spirit. What does it say? If you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You tell me your, your flesh is doing this and your, I don't feel like doing this and my flesh is that and I don't do this and I don't do this and I don't do that. Start walking in the Spirit of God. Start living in submission and surrender to him. Live a life of obedience to God. And what you'll find is when you begin to walk in the Spirit, and you remember the fruit of the Spirit, right? It's, it's later in that same chapter of Galatians 5, verse 23. Love, joy, peace. How many people walk in love? How many people walk around with the joy of the Holy Ghost? How many people walk around with the joy of the Lord, huh? How many people got peace about them? Every time you, you fear this and you fear that, you get another, well, they said, they said the stock market's doing this. They said they might impeach the, they said they might do this. They said they might do that. We got a new boss. We might lose our job. We got a new this. We got, you know what? God has not given us the spirit of fear. God has not given us that spirit of fear. He's given us power, love, and a sound mind. Your flesh will live in fear, especially when you get close to God. You'll start rattling your cage. You start getting close to God, flesh is, flesh is saying, oh, we got turbulence, we got turbulence. You get close to a church that preaches the cross, your flesh will rattle, rattle, rattle. Oh, the Spirit of God is compelling. Oh, the Spirit of God is drawing. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Amen? You lift up the cross, it don't matter how much turbulence is in the air, there will be something inside you that says, I'm gonna go on anyhow. I'm gonna press forward anyhow. Nothing's gonna stop me. I won't be denied. I'm going to press in to my Lord. Amen? I'm going to press in to where he is. I'm going and I'm not coming back. I might go one way, but I'm gonna come back a different way. I'm gonna come back in the spirit of the Lord, in newness of life, amen? You see, you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, but if you don't, if you don't, you will be choosing good over God every time. And then you'll be frustrated, wondering why you're doing this for God and still in darkness and despair. Stop finding comfortability in your workability. Start finding your value in your relationship with God at the cross. That's where your value is found. That's where your relationship is based at. That's where you'll find new life. That's where you'll find strength. And that's where you'll find the power of God. That's where you'll find the spirit of God. Amen. You won't find the spirit of God any other way but at the cross. Amen. Sometimes we choose good. We choose good when we should have chosen God. 
Oh, God. Help us, Lord, to not live a life that is focused on the temporal issues. Lord, help us to choose you. And not that tree of good and evil. Lord, we want you. Lord, give us the boldness, God, to step out in faith and to stop finding our value, stop finding our comfortability and our workability. Lord, help us to have the courage to find who we are at your feet. Just like the woman who broke open that alabaster box, she found who she was at your feet. As she was wiping her tears on your feet with her hair, God, she found, she found life there. Lord, that's where we all find life. And God, I pray that we would all find life there at your feet, at your feet, Lord, at your feet. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and God has ministered to you before we open up the altars, if God is speaking to you this morning, would you lift up your hand so I can pray with you where you're seated at? No one looking. Thank you. Thank you.